0: Asking the question and sort of not laughed at by the professor, but it's so fundamental mm. to the way our at least um, capitalist society works that it's almost impossible uh, in the most basic economics courses mm. to think of um, achievements and profit and uh, moving forward without this is a podcast growth.
1: Called walk, talk, listen. Good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. And as always, I'm delighted with today's guest, who will introduce herself in a minute. I, I just want to wish everybody a happy new year, because this is actually the first episode we do in 2023. I can't believe it's already 2023. Um, yeah, d- delighted with uh, the first guest of the of the year. Stephanie, please introduce yourself.
0: Thank you, Maurice, and happy new year to you. And I'm delighted to be on your podcast and delighted to be your first guest of the year. Uh, so I have been passionate about the environment and conservation for as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have memories dating back from my childhood, walking with my grandmother in the neighborhood and picking up trash and so forth. So I consider it a, a passion of mine. Um, and uh, my first job out of college was actually working for the Fish and Wildlife Service on mm-hmm. uh, international conservation efforts. Uh, I then moved after graduate school, went to the World Bank and had a World Bank Group, the International Finance Corporation, the private mm-hmm. sector part of the World Bank Group, and had a 25-year career there on international development. Loved my career there, but the peak of my career Uh, The sort of dream job where all the stars aligned uh, Mm -hmm. was when I got to lead uh, climate change for the organization at a time when it was a fairly nascent uh, theme. Mm -hmm. And so I got to shape that and uh, really lead on helping governments and private sector get on a more sustainable path. Uh, But I often felt that in my own life, I was coming home not feeling like I was doing my best in my personal life to live sustainably. Uh, So about four years ago, I left the World Bank Group and decided to take a gap year, as I called it, some time on my own. Mm -hmm. I dived into the question because I finally had time of what I could be doing to live more sustainably. And I ended up uh, essentially making my new career about that. So during the pandemic, I I discovered zero waste living, read Mm -hmm. everything I could about it, researched intensively, uh, started giving talks in the community was asked to write a book, which I did during the pandemic called Zero Waste Living the Eighty Twenty Way. Um, I now have an organization that is focused on uh, helping people and organizations wanting to help their staff um, empower individuals to reduce their carbon and waste footprint. So that's what I do uh, today mm-hmm. um, and uh, loving every minute of it.
1: Wow. Now, and I, I, find it fascinating, Stephanie, that you, you know, during that gap here, that you started to look at that. Uh, I mean, my listeners know that. You know I try to push my idea. If in, it's not my idea. It's, it's something that I've learned from a philosopher I like, uh, Ken Wilber, who says that every issue has, you know, at least four perspectives. Uh, it, it's an I and we, and um, you know, in the work that we do, we we try to to change systems and um, we often forget that there is an I and we perspective of this well and and I feel that that's kind of you know you try to look at that right in in terms of of uh, yeah how are we go ultimately are we going to change this world for the better and and you can't do that only by working at at the it and its perspective so um tell us a bit you know you you Ultimately, it ended up in in you writing a book about it. But uh, take us through that whole process.
0: Yeah, so I had a a couple of aha moments, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say. So I left my job and um, literally a week later, I think, I walked into my dry cleaners. Mm -hmm. This is going to sound like a strange aha moment, perhaps, but bear with me. Um, I, I essentially all these years had been taking my clothes to the cleaner once a week for cleaning and had always been bothered by all the plastic that my clean clothes were put in. And I'm not sure why I had to quit my job to ask this question. But I walked into the dry cleaners about a week after I uh, left my my institutional job and said, would you mind I brought in my own uh, garment bag from home and I said, would you mind putting my dry cleaning when it's clean? into my own bag instead of in the plastic I just looked up the statistic mm-hmm. 300 million pounds of this dry cleaning plastic end up in landfills every year anyway so to my surprise the dry cleaner said of course I'm a long-standing customer she said yes no problem Stephanie she, we mm-hmm. I know her by name actually and uh And that just brought a big smile to my face. I went home and I thought, wow, okay, that was really easy. (laughs) I'm not sure why it took me so long. Mm -hmm. But it also made me scratch my head and wonder, wow, I could have done this a long time before. And I wonder if other customers would be interested in doing this too. And so a couple weeks later, I approached the same dry cleaners and said, would you be interested, I wonder, in offering a reusable bag program for your other clients? And it's a husband-wife team the husband's a good businessman, and he sort of hesitant, the wife was gung ho. And lo and behold, they they started off with the pilot of 20 bags, I helped them put up signs in the neighborhood and tried to raise awareness. And now today, when you walk into that dry cleaners, instead of seeing this sea of plastic, you still see some of the plastic, but now you see about 40% or more of their clients use these green reusable bags that they introduced. Mm. So That was kind of the beginning of my my journey into zero waste before I even knew what zero waste was, which is, you know, very simply for any listeners of yours that don't know. It's just this Mm -hmm. idea of drastically reducing your consumption and your waste, which, of course, leads to less in the landfills, the oceans, the ecosystems in Mm -hmm. general. Um, And there's a very good tie in with climate change to zero-waste living because obviously whatever is not having to be produced and manufactured and transported is a savings on uh, all of the energy and greenhouse gas that goes into Mm -hmm. that. So, yeah, that was sort of the beginning of my my zero-waste life.
1: Wow. and how did the other customers, how, how did they, how did that go? You know?
0: Yeah. So, well, again, my first obstacle, you mean the other customers at the dry cleaners? Yes,
1: yes, yes. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. They, They. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't work there, so I can't say with certainty. Mm-hmm. I can only tell you the results, which are, and I can tell you, again, the 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 husband-wife team, the husband would mm-hmm. sort of give me a, a look whenever I would walk in, in the beginning of this you know, the piloting of the program. And he wouldn't say much to me. Um, after a few weeks after they sold the first 20 bags, and he realized that the customers really liked this option. And then they couldn't get enough of them. They were buying more bags selling them to the clients. He Now when I walk in, uh, he has always a big smile on his face. And he I don't go as often now, of course, but because I don't go to a job that requires me to wear suits all the time. But He's very happy to see me. His wife is always happy to see me. And as I said, you walk in there and you see these these green bags. So I have a little smile on my face mm-hmm. when I'm sitting in a neighborhood coffee shop and I see someone walk by with the green bag. And you know, there's this little feeling of joy that I've had a, a part of that solution. And I really, I do think that a lot of times, and this is one of the the aha moments for me, was that uh, you you there are other people who probably want easy solutions to the climate crisis to their part in the climate crisis to their part in the plastics crisis but we we go through life a little bit with blinders on and we don't necessarily stop to think what is our part in that and is there is there an alternative is there something else we we could be doing and mm-hmm. um it's a for me it was eye opening to start realizing all the for example, single-use plastic that I was responsible for consuming, buying, bringing into my home, into my life, and then having to dispose of in some way. Uh, back when I was in, in my job at the World bank group, I used to, without thinking, uh, buy a couple of water bottles a day. Uh, not buy, even. I, they were just in the conference rooms, and I would take one during a meeting. And that means that I was responsible for six to seven hundred plastic water bottle wastage every year Um, that's crazy right so now I carry around a reusable water bottle with me wherever I go but it's we just don't think about the convenience that we've grown accustomed to and whether there are alternatives to that and there almost always are alternatives
1: yes so so talk us through it so that was the first step and um, so did you already have, you know, come up with the idea of writing a book about it? And and um, because what I like about your story is that often we seem to be overwhelmed, you know, by this enormous problem that we have, and then we end up doing nothing. So I, I really like that you bring it, break it down to something that you can do.
0: Uh, I was so excited about the dry cleaning thing that I was mm-hmm. telling everybody I knew, which is, by the way, one of the secrets to... Mm-hmm. Uh, affecting change is to, I think, infectiously, positively talk about Mm -hmm. that change. But we can, Mm -hmm. we can, we can get to that. But in one of my conversations with a lunchtime call uh, over lunch with an ex colleague, she told me about zero waste living because I wasn't aware of that. And so I read everything I could about it. And because I had time on my hands, right? I was in my gap year. Um, I I did a lot of research, it was pre COVID, right before COVID. So I Mm. visited all the recycling facilities in my neighborhood, I got this, this, um, the authors that I was reading about zero waste all have one thing in common. Mm. This is not true of my book on zero waste. But the, the couple authors I read in the very beginning, hold up a mason jar that represents their family's trash for an entire year. And so this for me was so exciting. It was such a vision. It was man on the moon stuff. And I had time. So I tried to do all of the things that they talk about in their books. Um, drastic things for me in my life, things like making your own household cleaner. They even have a recipe for making your own paper. I didn't never got to that. And so I started doing these things, a lot of them and, and my Garbage was going down drastically. My son at the time was living at home. He was taking the garbage to the curb once a week. And he was like, Mom, where's the trash? Because we were had a lot less in the recycle bin, had a lot less in the trash because we were composting food all of a sudden. And so anyway, I I I realized there's a lot we could be doing, but I was getting nowhere near this mason jar worth of trash even in a week. And then I was starting to panic because I realized I was gonna have to go back to work. My vision was not coming to fruition. I started wondering, is there a gray here? Do I have to reject zero waste living because I'm not getting to the zero or anywhere near the zero? Can I take stock of how much I have improved uh, in in terms of my goal of living more sustainably? And what would I want to tell other people who are like me, that busy person feeling paralyzed Hmm. by not really doing much in my own life. I wish I could tell that busy person for all those decades, Stephanie, you could have been doing this. Why don't you try this? And I realized you don't have to quit flying. If you have to fly for your job, so be it. But there are some basic things you can do. And I set out to quantify, not quantify, actually, the opposite, not try to find do a carbon calculator for what you should do, but actually just help people see that there were only a few things that they could focus on that were easy, that would make a huge difference. And that's, I borrowed this term 80-20 from my business and and from the organization I used to be in. I think a lot of organizations think this way. 80-20 is a principle of, Don't try to do everything. Focused on focus on the most impactful actions, Mm -hmm. and you can get a long way toward what you're trying to achieve. Focus on the 20% most impactful things you can do, Mm -hmm. and you can get about 80% of the results, right? So we used to say, focus on the 20% most important clients, you'll get 80% of the business done. So I set out to figure out what would the 80-20 rule for zero waste living look like. And it was really about just three themes of focusing on food, focusing on purging plastic and recycling, right? Those were the things that for me, I discovered met at the intersection of ease and impact. And that if all of us did this, we would have a huge impact on both our carbon and our waste footprint. So did I intend to write a book about this? No. Mm-hmm. But when I started speaking in the community about this, I realized a lot of people like me had no idea how food waste in landfills is so carbon intensive and had no idea as I did not know that at least in the US and most developed countries, the majority of that food waste, most of that more than 40% occurs at the household level. So that's, you know, that means there's something we can do about that. And so I started putting down some easy steps that anyone could do. I started talking about it. A publisher heard me give a talk and asked me, by then the pandemic hit, and the publisher Mm -hmm. was coming out with a series of books on called Resetting Our Future and asked me to write a book about these ideas, zero waste living. So that's that I didn't intend to be an author before the pandemic. and. Now I am, but it was. Um, it's been a wonderful, wonderful thing.
1: So I, I, I will make sure that the listeners will be able to find um, your book. So I put it in the in the podcast notes. Um, so you know, three things that you can do: working on food waste, plastic, and recycle. Right? Those are the three. Uh, yes. things yeah so are you now totally working on this topic you know planning to go back or are you back at with uh, the world bank so what are you doing at the moment
0: yeah so um uh, the decision I, I essentially made during that gap year was that as long as there were people out there as ignorant as busy and um uh wanting to do the right thing but not knowing where to start if I could influence them, then this was my new purpose in life. And so, no, I have not gone back uh, to the World Bank Group. Most of my time is taken up with two initiatives. One is my company, which is just a, I'm a solo entrepreneur, um, mostly doing um uh, uh, speaking engagements, learning events to organizations that want to empower their staff to mm. take these actions. I also do individual household consultations, but most of my work right. is to organizations. Uh, and the second thing I do, which is a, 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 a one of the things that gets me up in the morning is a grassroots initiative that I started in 2022 mm. called DC Reduces, which is a um an initiative i borrowed from a similar one that uh, started in canada a few years ago and it's basically the idea of i i purchase some some stickers that say bring your own byo okay. uh, dc reduces and when shops put this in their window it indicates that they're open to customers bringing their own containers so it signals to the customers they don't have to think too hard about will this business accept my my coffee cup if i want to have my coffee in not a plastic lined cup, but in my own, uh, ceramic mug. Um, I can, you know, the shops, the grocery stores that will accept, um, your own produce bags, uh, for produce that is sold without packaging, stuff like that. So I have a a few volunteers that work with me, very young folks. And, uh, and we go around neighborhoods and try to get the shops to put this. sticker in the window, we have more than 50 that have signed up so far. And so anyway, that's the other thing. So I've got my business, and then I've got this grassroots initiative. And then I'm an activist on the side. Um, I'm recently getting comfortable with calling myself a climate activist as well.
1: what i find fascinating about what you're doing is is because i think it's important especially for uh, people you know working for ngos or working around the world or for the world bank un you you're very often talking about system changes and so but they're not doing anything themselves and i i think this is a really um, a message i mean but if you don't really walk the talk only you know when you enter your office, so I really think what you're trying to do uh, is valuable and, and very important for for uh, yeah to to change.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would not want the message to be that systems change isn't needed because it's probably what's needed the most. Uh, I mean, I I really believe there's a a three legged stool if we're going to solve the climate crisis and many uh, many different crises. But the, the, for the climate crisis, it has to be government, it has to be private sector. But I think if we leave out the, the public and individuals and households, we're missing a really important factor in change. And I think we as consumers have more power than we realize we have. And this is one of the biggest things I've realized through doing this work. And not realizing it all those years was probably why I allowed myself to ignore it. Uh, But we can uh, vote, obviously. We can vote also with our consumer dollars. And in any capitalist society, that's paid a lot of attention to. I mean, the reason I could go into my dry cleaners and ask them to consider this reusable bag program is that I was a customer and they care what their customers think. So we need to use that power more. And then probably the most exciting thing I realized about those of us at the individual level having the power to change societies, really, Mm -hmm. if we take it to an extreme, is um, something I, I realized while I was researching for my book. My publisher actually asked me to speak with an Oxford professor about social behavioral change. And I think I knew a lot of this stuff, but hadn't really um, put it to work. The, the, there's been so much data that's been gathered about that power, that we are social animals and we care about what our peers think. And I'll just give you one, there are many studies done on this, but mm-hmm. one that really um, I mentioned in the book and uh, was really interesting is, you know, we all have been to hotels where you've got the signage about reusing towels, right, and you can decide whether to rehang your towel or not. So there was a study done a number of years ago. Looked at two groups: guests in hotels that had the um, the sign about be green, rehang your towel, and guests that had the same sign with additional language that said the majority of our guests choose to reuse, rehang their towels. And mm-hmm. guess what? That second group, 26% more likely to rehang their towel. Mm -hmm. It's because we really care what others do, especially people we relate to our peers. But Mm -hmm. in general, we look for those signals from others. And that means that when I go to, you know, a uh, uh, takeout for uh, takeout and I bring my own containers and other people notice and they say very often, I didn't know you could do that they're paying attention and the chances that they might, might do that next time increase because they see my behavior. So we all have that amazing capacity to model behavior that we want to see, whether it's on social media or whether it's, you know, just in our own lives with our communities, our families and and strangers that we don't even know.
1: When listening to you, I I um I was you know I'm reminded about uh, a project that was part of when I was living and working in Bangladesh, and that project uh, became a UNAIDS best press uh, best practice project. And what what we kind of of uh, said, and I really always love people who know me lo- know that I love uh, uh, mnemonics. Is is Acme, which is a shop for the non-US people. That's a shop in, in a supermarket chain in in the in the US. But we had the, the abbreviation Acme, which stands for awareness, uh, contacts, means, and empowerment. And and basically, if you talk about behavior change, um, and it's okay. You need to make you need to educate people, make them aware. The A, uh, but one session will not be enough. And the most effective, or very often. Uh, what is effective is is through peers' uh, education to, to contact, you know, the sea of connection. You need to, to do it over and over again. But if you have the knowledge, but you don't have the means to change your behavior, and in the case of, you know, the HIV AIDS project that was part of, you know, it means access to STD services, condoms, etc., you know, you still cannot change your behavior, but then ultimately you need to change. You need to be able to endorse it or empowerment. So you know, you need to look at power structures to really have ultimately the, the changes that you need. So so, um, sorry, I was just reminded of that. So I, yes. I I fully agree. I agree with you, Stephanie. Let us talk a bit about systems changes that are ultimately necessary and I, I agree with you and i think the ultimate you know goals that we have set as a world is is the sustainable development goals it might not be perfect but you know with something that you can work with um if i ask you you know what do you like what do you want the listeners to know about sustainable development goals um you know what would you say? Is there a specific goal that you would like to lift up or just in general? And then the second question around it is we are not making progress, enough progress on the, on the SDGs. And one group of people that is growing is saying, you know, one of the reasons that we are not making the progress that we should uh, make is because we never pay sufficient attention to the knowledge skills and abilities that you need as an individual and as a community so maybe you know basically what you're trying to do is the zero waste as well and therefore they develop the inner development goals so you know what are your thoughts about the inner development goals so two questions SDGs do yes, you want yes. them to know and ITGs
0: Yes. So first of all, on the on the sustainable uh, development goals, I mean, I've been living them, I was in an institution that obviously embraced them when Mm -hmm. I was with the World Bank Group. I I think they are fundamental. uh, They are inspiring. uh, They are complex. Uh, So it's not that everybody on the planet is going to take in the 17 goals, work on them every day. But I think it's very important that there is a framework that's out there that's being thought about worldwide. Hopefully by governments worldwide. Certainly, uh, large multilateral institutions um, beyond just the UN. Um, and uh, they're inspiring, and, and they're very intertwined. Right? They they they're, I, I I saw you had a guest that is responsible for integration of the. Mm-hmm uh sdgs which i think is fascinating and and so makes so much sense because it's not just climate it's not just poverty it's not just water it's all of these things are interconnected so i think first of all it's important that they exist it's important that institutions are paying attention to them even if they're not binding they're a roadmap uh and mm. uh, and we've fallen behind we, we and we have a way you know because they exist there's uh Essentially, report cards on how we do against mm-hmm. the goals every year. We you know, COVID-19 and the other crisis, crises going on took a very big toll on those um, um, we've slipped behind in terms of poverty levels as a result. So uh, I, I, I hope we get to the uh, end result, but I, I think even if we don't, having those aspirations is so important. The IDGs that um, I thank you for introducing me. To them, because I was not aware of them uh, until I was um, to, you mentioned that you would be asking me about this during the podcast, so mm-hmm. I, I looked it up, I went to the site, I watched the video, and I think it's fantastic, and I think mm-hmm. it's a wonderful to realize that we may be missing a piece in this, that it's not just about these, well discrete or interconnected goals, that it's also about how leaders lead on these things. Uh, and I, I actually think. Uh, it's not just the sustainable development goals that need the IDGs. Uh, anyone who's trying to affect any change as a mm-hmm. leader, uh, I think needs these kind of um, behaviors and goals to be effective. Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that there's such a thing as the IDGs mm-hmm. and I'm delighted that to be introduced to them finally.
1: Great. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, somebody asked me. who uh, was listening to, uh, I think the previous podcast with uh, Warda Um, You know, Maurice, how are how is how is faith related with IDGs? And I'm like, okay, uh, what I always do, I bounce the question to my guests. So, you know, what do
0: you think about that question? What are your thoughts around that? Uh, so I don't, I don't know exactly what the connection is. But I believe there must be spirituality. If we can, if we're able to get ourselves away from we, we need this to get ourselves away from just thinking about our goals as individuals, to be able to making make the leap uh, in thinking about the goals of society and societies, global societies, global sustainable development. So spirituality must figure in there i don't know exactly how but it must be a prerequisite to being able to think beyond uh the purpose of just our own lives and to to feel that we are part of a larger society and and globe i no thank you for that stephanie so i would like to uh,
1: to bear with me to make a couple of connections um, Something I heard from a previous guest, you know what you have been telling me, and then what I heard from walking with people either virtually as well as in person. So, um so I have had guests who said, you know, we are the problems that we are facing are so enormous, so so big. um that we really are looking at something that we need and in case clump a guest said. We need existential economics. So what what means is that, you know, the the type of economy that we have created needs to change because um, it's destroying the world. And um, a book I read from Karen Armstrong recently said, you know, we have lost our connection with nature. And that's why we need to reconnect it. And that's, you know, that's maybe some of the spirituality parts that you were touched upon. Um, and then the third part is the youth, the, the younger generation. I've, I've talked with my guests a lot about spirituality and religion there as well. And I think a lot of the younger generation are saying, um, well, they don't know if they're religious, they don't know if they're still spiritual. But what is definitely driving them is we need to work on the climate, we need to have action. So I'm, I'm throwing a lot of things out there um But my question to you is: I am absolutely enthusiastic about you know you saying we have to work on an individual basis. I've heard you say we need to have system changes. But ultimately, is that enough? Do you think, Stephanie? Because of of uh, the enormous challenge that we have, and and uh, there are some people out there that are saying, in, including Greta Thunberg, you know, you cannot look at grey. We need to totally change. So what, what is your reply to that?
0: Oh, that's a lot of great questions in one. <laughs>
1: Sorry. It's um, <no, laughs> the beginning it's, of the it's, years. It's, I have I, a lot of stuff I, going I, on. Yes,
0: I have a lot of <laughs> thoughts too. So I understand that. I, I, I want to come back to the early, earliest part of that yeah. um, question you just asked. I, I do believe, I i don't have the answer, but I do believe that our uh, systems are if not broken, then then they need to be fixed. Um, mm-hmm. Even if we don't recognize the broken, I, I still remember the very first macroeconomic class I ever took. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was probably just in my teens or, or early 20s then. And, uh, and trying to get my head around growth, always being the driver of everything. And why? And I remember asking the question and sort of not laughed at by the professor, but it's so fundamental mm-hmm. to the way our, at least, um, capitalist society works that it's almost impossible uh, in the most basic economics courses mm-hmm. to think of um, achievements and profit and uh, moving forward mm-hmm. without growth. And so how do we change that? I mean, there are books now that have been written about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, books that I want to read in the new year, actually. But, but uh, anyway, so that's something that I think you know. When we talk about the circular economy, yeah. um, it is about having some understanding that pretty much anything we need already exists, and maybe it's not about creating new all the time, growing new markets and new uh, products, and maybe it's about Finding reuse, finding more reuse for what is already created in our societies through um, through all of the businesses that are that are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's shocking uh, to to see how much we we buy as a society, how much we waste as a society. So something there is broken. Uh, you asked a, a question also about about youth, and my you know, my interactions with youth are, are really kind of two, two areas at the moment. One is I have a 20 year old son. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how spiritual he is. Um, but I, I I've noticed that even though, uh, you know, he's a college student and busy, he finds time to read Marcel Proust. And I I have to believe I haven't even read Marcel Proust. I've got it on my bedside table now so I can try to have conversations with my son. But I have to believe that's because there's some kind of spirituality or philosophy, something bigger um, that he would want to tap into than, yeah. you know, the, the the daily grind. The other, My other connection with youth these days is through the grassroots initiative that I founded. There are six of us volunteers and almost all of them are in their 20s. And I believe like Greta and other young people, they see many of them, not all of them see that time is running out to make a shift that, that will allow them to live a life uh, that is uh, not worse than what their parents lived or mm. uh, living. And uh, it's scary. I think it's scary as a 50-something-year-old adult right now uh, to To see what's, you know, climate wise, what's changing in the world and what's likely to change if we don't fix things in this decade, this decade. Uh, and it's very, it must be terrifying for youth that are paying attention to that as well. And you know, these terms, eco anxiety and even eco depression, have sprouted up uh, because they are real. They are keeping people up at night, and I think they're keeping some youth up at night. So the, the volunteers with me, um, on the program that I'm doing to reduce plastic, which by the way, is also a climate issue. Plastic production is a big climate Mm -hmm. issue. Uh, I think they are in it because they are trying to do something. They are trying to be involved and feel like they are making a difference, uh, in some way, um, To deal with their uh, eco-anxiety. There's no better antidote, I think, to that anxiety than to take some action. And as much as I talk about individuals, and this is the last point I want to get to from your last question, um, the individual is the starting point for Mm -hmm. me right now, but it is certainly not the end point. Uh, We, I mean, I I have moved very rapidly from what can I do to what can we do, to use Mm -hmm. your language about I and we what what others like me might want to do more? How can I do more to create ripples and shifts in people that I have contact with in my life? Uh, What more can I do? Once you get the bug, once you see that you can make change, I think Mm -hmm. the really exciting thing is you want to see others make change too, because and you don't want to preach about it, but you do want Mm -hmm. to talk about it excitedly because that's i think the most um the best way to affect change Uh, you 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 know that you can have an impact and that it would be so much more impactful if many other people did some of the things that you're doing so getting to the we is really important
1: great And, and thank you for connecting everything um you know um what I hope that this podcast will achieve is, you know, connect people in all kinds of, of ways. And and uh, yeah, relatively recently, I, I I have introduced also a question of a previous guest for my next guest. So, um, if you can listen to this question, please.
0: So my question is: What advice would you give to your younger self when it comes to these topics? You know, whether it's spiritual practices or um, thinking about community or the world around you? What advice would you give to your younger self, knowing what you know now of the state of the world?
1: Did you hear that, uh,
0: Yes, I heard it. And I I love the fact that you do this. I think it's just brilliant uh, (laughs) because it it made me listen to the last podcast. I would have wanted to listen to it anyway, but uh, with even more interest and excitement, and uh, and I just love that link that you've created. And it's a wonderful question. Uh, and I'm sure somewhere I've written some letter to my younger self through some, you know, leadership mm-hmm. exercise mm-hmm. I did at some point. But um, I, I think this is a more difficult question than meets the eye because I, I realized as I was trying to answer it for myself mm-hmm. that um, it wasn't so easy because almost everything that I would tell my younger self as a, as a lesson, I realized I really had to learn it. Through experience, hmm. and you, you, there's no substitute for the lived experience, right? So, so I was trying to come up with something that I actually could tell my younger self that my younger self could have done something about, mm-hmm. knowing that I've always been a conservationist, environmentalist, and that's where my heart is still now. Yeah. What could I? How could I have been more effective over the years? And I realized that. I wish that I had earlier on in life tackled my fear of public speaking, my anxiety around that, which certainly Mm. in my 20s and 30s was, I don't want to say paralyzing, but in spaces where I think I could have made more of a difference, whether it was a university seminar or later, even in just my workplace. Uh, I'm very comfortable speaking one-on-one, uh, I always have been. Now I'm very comfortable speaking in groups, but back then I was not. And I think if mm. I had realized that and how much it would uh, curb my ability to um, affect an influence in those decades, my, my 20s and 30s. I, and, and even in my 40s to well, no, by, by 40, I found my voice. So I wish I'd tackled that earlier. I wish I'd mm-hmm. done what I needed to do, taken whatever courses read whatever books, and realized it would open doors for me, mm-hmm. if I would get my myself over that anxiety sooner. Yeah, your, your question for the next guest, what would it be? Yes, yeah, so probably not a huge surprise. My my question is about the environment. And it's, if you could do one thing right now, right now, to live more sustainably, what would it be? And would you be willing to tell others about it? Great.
1: I, I really liked it as well. It. it it's very uh, similar to what you need to do. I don't know if you heard about the week initiative of um, Fred- Frederick Ladoux, yeah, who also wrote a book around reinventing organizations. But he made a um, it it will, will be launched uh, this month officially. So it's three movies that you have to watch uh, about the climate change, and then he brings you through the U theory, and at the end. Um, of the third session you're asked you know do you, are you willing to take action and if so you know what will you do so uh, i love it so so, so, so thanks a lot um, i'll have to see I've I've,
0: movies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> i have a, a couple of quick questions for you um the, the first one is if i ask you to come up with a piece of music or a song that best embodies who you are um which piece of music or song would that be, and why?
0: Yeah, so I I, I also knew you were going to ask this question, and <laughs> it's it's interesting because I think I have identified with different songs in, in different phases of my life, and I just had a birthday actually mm-hmm. uh, on Christmas Day, and um, a friend of mine said yeah. some thank you friend of mine said something to me about a week before my birthday and Mm. introduced me to the song I'm going to suggest, which is um, very unexpected for me to be recommending. It's a country song, and I'm not Mm. a country buff at all. But it's called, it's a song by Toby Keith, and it's called Don't Let the Old Man In. And I don't know if you've heard it, but it's a lovely song. uh, And um, the reason. Well, The reason it embodies me right now or what, why I feel connected to the song is that uh, I, I think it's very easy once you get in a certain age, and, and I'm in my 50s now, as I said, to start making excuses for why you won't do things. And I think it becomes easier to fall into bad patterns, whether it's about your physical health or Um, eating habits, or even just your aspirations for life. And I don't want that to happen. And I feel like it's possible that I've started thinking that way about some things. And my friend caught me saying something about a week before my birthday. And she said, I'm going to send you this song. And it's, it's a and I'll just quickly tell you that the yeah. premise of the song mm-hmm. is it was written just a couple of years ago by this country um, uh, singer mm-hmm. uh, or producer, to- uh, songwriter, Toby Keith, who's friends with Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. who a couple of years ago was turning 88. And uh, and his friend Toby Keith said to him on the golf course, God, you're out here golfing, you're almost 88. How do you stay young and keep active? And Clint Eastwood replied, I don't let the old man in. And apparently Toby Keith went home that night and wrote a song based on that line. Anyway, so it's a lovely story. It's actually a lovely song. And I really hope for myself to uh, push away all those things that might otherwise creep in and allow me to limit uh, my Mm -hmm. life more than I would like to at this point.
1: Great. And, and uh, the listeners know, but your song will be added to uh, um, Spotify. A playlist that we uh, started uh, which is called uh, hashtag walk talk listen and there you find all the songs uh, that have been selected uh, by my guests and uh, I, I love that uh, phrase so don't let an old man in and I think that's that's definitely you know something for us to keep in mind for all of us who are getting older whatever age you are Um <laughs> Another uh, a question that I would like to ask is: Well, you know, maybe that this podcast is a spin-off of a hundred-mile walk, an actual walk that I've done, and I'm and I'm going to do uh, another hundred-mile walk at the end of March, beginning of April, a walk in Seattle area. Um, but but um, I do it to to increase awareness, to raise some money, to end hunger and poverty and and injustice. Um, if you would be asked to walk 100 miles in a week, for which cause would you do that and why?
0: Yeah, I love that. And uh, and I love walking, actually, but I don't walk 100 miles in one week. I During COVID, I started walking a lot. And mm-hmm. 100 miles is three to four times what I walk in a week. Um, so that would be a challenge. Uh, but I would walk 100 miles for a lot of reasons, a lot of causes, but probably mostly around just about anything to do with climate change, Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's uh, raising awareness for biodiversity loss or, uh, you know, increasing, um, decreasing plastic use. Uh, I would walk for universal composting. I mean, there there are a lot of things that, that uh, I wouldn't need a lot of excuse to walk a hundred miles. I just would need a little more time, but uh, what a wonderful thing that you do. And yes, anything around climate change. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. You can count me in.
1: Yeah, th- this, this question is actually, I haven't asked this question, so I, but I, I think this is a nice uh, question to introduce, you know, in this new year. And that's, I came across this initiative of Steve Hartman of, of CVS, and he made a couple of programs uh, around this, I think. It's called The Gift. Um, where he is examining in the U.S., um, you know, the simple act of kindness and how it, you know, if it can create a ripple effect and that would lead to more goodness in in the world. So I have two questions around that. What do you think about the initiative that he started, Uh, one simple act of kindness and, and the power of it? And um, if you would be asked now, right on the spot, to come up with a simple act of kindness, what would you do? So two two, uh,
0: questions for you. Okay. So, well, first of all, I I love that. And I would say if I have a spirituality or if I have a, a sense of, besides the climate zero waste stuff we've been talking about, about ways to make the world better it starts with kindness and it starts with the kindness that you can show to the people in your life and and again strangers people you don't um know at all and uh i have a real fundamental belief that when you smile at someone on the street when you're kind to someone a clerk in a store uh someone on a bus um uh that i do believe that that creates ripples of kindness everywhere so uh i i i i wholeheartedly endorse it and i was just jotting down what you said about the name of it because i will i will look it up it sounds amazing and your your second question was what would i do mm-hmm. as a gift of kindness right now uh I mean, I feel like that's too easy a question in a way. I mean, I will leave here. I'm taking my my niece to lunch after this, and I will, I will make a point of being, as besides to her, of course, to being, uh to living what I've just said to you, to being mm-hmm. as kind as I can to uh, the people in the restaurant and uh, the people on the way. and, uh, uh, I won't honk at anyone on my drive to pick her up Uh, i mean i think that if if we all had a little bit more awareness about how our behaviors even the tiny ones affect other people i think we would we would do more to um to be to be kind all the time we can't all be kind all the time but Mm -hmm. i think there's opportunities every single day and i love that question and i i will think about it some more too
1: what i would like to ask you is is um because you said it yourself ultimately what you do with your zero waste initiatives as well is not only doing it yourself but then also telling others so i would i would request you you know if you do that today or next week or whenever after you have done it you will start to tell other people that you've done it and see you know to stimulate and and, uh yeah to to uh, share this message around in in the world so i i also like his initiative so i i uh, i think that's great um you know these these conversations go extremely fast um my last question to you is do you have any last message invitation uh, or question for the listeners
0: well question for the listeners i i would say is the same question of your next guest which is what would be that one thing that you can do today? And and, I mean, I give a lot of examples uh, Mm -hmm. in the talks that I give. It can be very simple things. Uh, uh, Finding, uh, deciding to compost if compost is available in your community or finding a way to do it anyway. Lots of ideas on that. Uh, Picking one thing that you use uh, in single-use plastic packaging and finding a substitute for whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, If you make a commitment to do it, and then you tell people about it, you, you, you are having an impact, you're having an individual impact, and you're, you're having a community impact as well. So same question that the next guest would get, what would you, what would you be willing to do today? And I, I guess the, the last message I would have would be what we've been saying in these, I think throughout our conversation, which Mm -hmm. is. Uh, we all have more of an impact than we realize and how you use that impact is really important whether it's in forget about climate change just the acts of kindness that you were just asking me about or whether it is choosing your person and your behavior whether it's on social media or in your public life to exhibit the kinds of behaviors that you Take pride in and want other people uh, would would want to see other people doing as well. All of those things matter and they make a difference and they're noticed by your your peers. And uh, so just do them. And if you feel really brave, then don't just do them. Talk about them. Thank you so
1: much for for making time to to uh, talk with me. Thanks everything for everything you do. Um. And I really would like to invite the listeners to check out your book, and I'll make sure that um, I mention it uh, in the podcast notes, so that they can purchase the book and and uh, start living, you know,
0: um,
1: mm. a zero waste life. Uh, so thanks, thanks a lot, Stephanie, and all the best.
0: Thank you, Maurice, and happy new year again.
1: episode was made possible by the support of an organization called CWS. You want to be part of a movement? Well, sign up to become a sustaining partner. As a sustaining partner, you can make a difference in the world automatically every month. Sustaining partners commit to a hopeful future by making compassion a part of their monthly budget. It could mean new systems to manage precious resources like water or diversified ways of earning a living that make people more resilient. For as little as $10 a month, You can transform lives. You want to check it out? Well, go to seriousglobal.org sustain. Thank you for listening to walk, talk, listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram.